I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show so many so many so many damn books hello hi and welcome to so many damn books i am christopher i'm drew and uh thanks so much for joining us we read this time an interesting book that we'll get to later. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so we are drinking the uh, the angry at the sun, which, uh, in terms of its ingredients, something I never really understood, but it is delicious. Well, I'm mixing mean, a cocktail with with the beer. Yeah, I mean, it's like a it's, thing. It's golden and red, so I kind of felt like it was looked like a sunset. Um, but yeah, you take take half a Miller High Life, uh, pour that into your glass, then put um, three quarters of an ounce of Campari and a squeeze of a, a lemon, and you got yourself an angry at the sun. It's um, it's nice, right? It is. It's really it's uh it's refreshing. It's a little bitter. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that redeems. Uh, uh, Miller High Life? Miller High Life needs no redemption. Why don't we talk about what'd you buy? What did you buy? I like how we wait every time. I want to talk about uh, one book that I've received for the show oh that's a good idea and then one book uh i didn't actually buy this i received it um this past weekend was saint george's day slash shakespeare's birthday slash saint jordy day i've read uh read about this in helena yemi's new short story collection what is not yours is not yours it's a holiday in spain where couples uh, give each other roses and a book um, and so Danny gave me a copy of John Ray's The Lost Time Accidents. Oh, very exciting. I'm very excited to read. Yeah. Um, and then also I'm sitting here looking at the really beautiful cover of The Yoga of Max's Discontent by Karan Bahaj. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we got this for the show. And, yeah. Uh, it's very exciting. Yeah. It's a beautiful looking book. Yeah. It's one of our, one of our first uh, that we've really received for the show too. Yeah. Those both sound really good. Both of those books. Yeah, I'm excited for both of them. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, I picked up uh, the Bob's Burgers cookbook. Yeah. I already made one of the burgers. I made the, the Sweet Home Avocado Burger. Oh, all right. Which is just the lightest of puns. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really fun. And uh, I'm going to, uh, since you mentioned a galley, I'm going to mention uh, one that I received that I'm really, really excited about. Yeah. Um, Teddy Wayne's Loner. Which I didn't even know existed until like two weeks ago. I know. Well, it comes out in October, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, but it's, it was so exciting to get this book. I'm a huge fan of his last two books. Yeah. Um, Love Song of Johnny Valentine and Capitoil, which Capitoil was, was a tournament of books contender. Yeah. He's a tournament of books discovery. Yeah. For us, anyway, not for the universe, I guess. No, he could be a McSweeney's discovery. He writes those unpopular proverbs for them. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so exciting to get another book from him. And it's a campus novel, too. So it's just like all the things that Christopher likes. Teddy Wayne and I, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Last book, Justin Bieber. This book, campus novel. When I see you, you're crossing across the campus, past professors, passing now beside us. How am I supposed to pretend? I never want to see you again. The book we read for this week, uh, this really episode. Pretty well timed to current events. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah, it's like we decided that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail by Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, and tell me, in your experience of reading this book, where a lot of people like, oh, I know that. Oh, I don't know that book. <laughs> like, I had a few people be like, oh, Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing. Oh, that's oh, not the one I know. One. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. There was an age divide, I think. I, um, at my office, uh, lots of, lots of, let's say, over 35s were like, Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail. Nice. Um, but so this is this is about the campaign in 1972, basically everything leading up to Nixon versus McGovern. Yeah, um, starting in I and, guess December of 71. Right, and he's covering the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of starts off with Muskie. And yeah, then, well, I mean everybody did. Yeah, and I think that this is sort of the funny thing about the book is. I barely know McGovern's name. I just know him from being a Nixon contender. Mm-hmm. And then like the also rands of that campaign. I'm just like, who are these people? Yeah. John Lindsay. It's like, Ooh, yeah. Man. I, uh, I did get that sort of feeling, um, sort of like coming into a television show on the seventh season huh. of like a long run yeah. where you're just like, okay, okay. I'm, I know I've heard some of these names before. <laughs> like I've, I've skimmed a couple review uh, articles i kind of know who i know these rachel because of the hair but which one's ross yeah exactly <laughs> and so who's the ross of the 72 <laughs> presidential campaign i'd, I'd say musky here's here's a quote um from the chapter later in march dull speeches for breakfast duller speeches for lunch then bs with gravy for dinner how long oh lord How long? Where will it end? The only possible good that can come out of this wretched campaign is the ever-increasing likelihood that it will cause the Democratic Party to self-destruct. Yeah, well, it's... I'm glad that that's not a new feeling, actually. This book was as surprising as it was. It was also strangely comforting. Like, okay. So it's just kind of always like this. Right. Well, it's funny. I So I have a degree in political science. Yes, you do. And I spent a lot of time um, studying the American political system 
in school. And like 72 is the first, in some ways, it's like the last time that everybody said, oh, it's the first modern campaign. And there was a lot of talk about uh, Pokornoy, who is who is sort of like the on-the-ground campaign manager for yeah. the McGovern. And he honestly, it sounds like he is the first person to kind of do the grassroots campaigning. That and he both, was what, like 30 or something? No, he was 25. Oh, man. And he had actually worked on someone else's campaign on, in 68. So that guy has been had been in campaign politics since he was 21 years old. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? I, I, I was sort of surprised at his age. And he had this sort of like goofy look to him. There was one of the great joys of this book. It's just the awesome pictures that are included, <laughs> including a lot um, from a young Annie Leibovitz. Man, how I love remembering that she was just a staff photographer for Rolling Stone who like out there on the trail with Hunter. Like what stories does she have? So we should set this up a little. I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's it's Hunter S. Thompson covers a campaign um, and he covers it sort of warts and all. He explains at the beginning of the book that um, a lot of this was written after deadline was passed. Yeah. Um, drunk and high on crazy amounts of caffeine full Ta- gonzo journalism yeah and he keeps saying like i'm gonna go full gonzo and it's just like i'm gonna become batman <laughs> just like, <laughs> time to do full gonzo journalism now as though it's like activating some superpower of his which i guess it is yeah it's a pretty weird fucked up superpower but there you go yeah good good job <laughs> um i i don't know i guess Here's my question to you. Here's my reading comprehension question. Yeah. Yo, what did you read and where did you read it? Did you like the book? Would you ever reread it? Did the words sink in? Do you have a question? Did you understand? What's your comprehension? Reading comprehension. Reading comprehension. Do you like Hunter S. Thompson? <laughs> Do you like him after this? Is this... Oh, and this is... Before we get to there, is this your first Hunter S. Thompson? It's mine. No, I read Fear and Loathing in okay. Las Vegas. Okay. Um, and I... Uh, so you'd met Hunter before. And one of my early engagements in politics was the 2004 election, and he his last piece for Rolling Stone um, was Fear and Loathing 2004, and he was on the trail with John Kerry. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and being like, who's this crazy bastard? Yeah. Uh, and then I read Fear and Loathing in college, and then now this Fear and Loathing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. He's he's prickly and weird and crazy, and it's he. Um, this book is is not easy to read. I mean, it's not easy to read right now in sort of the very bleak climate that we find ourselves in. I kind of I want to quickly disagree with you for a second in that it is an easy read in the idea that it's like short quick sentences. Yes. It makes the pages turn very quickly for something that he never really explains totally what McGovern's politics are or Nixon's or anybody who or Humphreys or he just sort of he explains them and he just assumes as I'm sure any of the writing on this campaign does assumes that you know where he stands where yeah. all of these candidates stand so he, and so you can kind of get it by how he's covering them but it's it's interesting to kind of think that it is it it, it is dated it is oh it's of its time it's not so much that it's well i mean i guess it's the same thing but that idea that like 20 years from now somebody might read the campaign journalism from this and be like 
I don't understand. Why is everybody just yelling about Donald Trump? In, but like, because they're not here hearing the policy things, because at this point, there's such saturation right. that certain journalists like Hunter-esque journalists can assume, oh, you've heard the policy from somewhere else. Let's give you the, the nitty gritty or my twist on the thing. It was an early scene in this book that made me, and I'm going to, uh, I don't like Hunter. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't think he paints himself as likable. You know, he's always annoying. That's interesting. I don't, I don't know that he intends to come off as likable to no. anybody in real life or in print. Right. No, I don't think he, I think he truly and utterly does not give a damn what anyone thinks. I, I don't dislike the way that it's written. And I think that's a lot because I am, as, as you're sort of saying, like inundated in it. You know, this is the journalism that prevails now, and it's it's more the rule than mm-hmm. than whatever was before. Or even, I mean, if you're not going uh, full Gonzo or whatever, a lot of the stories that you read anymore, the the journalistic voice is present in yes. a way that I don't think it really was prior to the late '60s. Let's say okay. whether or not Hunter was first is debatable. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I guess my dislike of him is is about more about his detachment or mm. from from the proceeding like he he holds himself like apart from it and a little above like he's not a pig getting messy in the slop like everyone else he's above right. it and if he does get a little messy it's because he deigned to you know i think there's something interesting too about by the end of the book how he has sort of like had like just an utter mental breakdown whether or not it's real there were moments there were moments that i found very interesting in this book where i was like is this like what is the line of he's like as the editor comes in and is dialoguing with him and it's like is it an editor is this just a tool that he's using to write this thing all the time all the time and i actually i was sort of obliquely referencing this before it was that first scene where he ends up like talking to the two guys who are broken down by the side of the road oh yeah and ends up like doing drugs with them and hanging out for a bit where i was just like yeah of course this happens to you you're hunter s thompson but maybe maybe you made this up maybe this happened to you because you wrote it there was i read um as I was like tooling around the internet, looking up other little stories about Hunter after reading this and re-immersing myself in some... Your buddy Hunter. Yeah. There were things, like there's a story in Fear and Loathing where he talks about being in San Francisco, like, and there's this, this famous line about like seeing the wave roll back of the counterculture movement. And he tells this story about like some guy licking um, LSD off of somebody's sleeve and this guy was like, yeah, it was me. And like, we were there together. And like the thing that he leaves out of the story is this whole other angle on the night. That's like really weird and dark and ends with Hunter, like firing a rifle out of a hotel window. Just like weird, crazy stuff. That's exactly the thing. The, the, the fact that it's just like, there's some weird, like there's something that has to happen like that. And in every episode, you know, sure. Um, there's something of that, like, he's going to, you know, mess up his whole time. I don't know. There's some rock star vibe to him. Well, I think there's something interesting about the difference between this book and Game Change, 
which was the book about the 2008 election. Okay. It was um, John Heilman, and I forget who else wrote it with him. But it it was their attempt to, to talk about being on the campaign, campaign trail on both sides, actually, and then following Obama through the nomination into uh, the general election and following McCain. And it like they turned it into an HBO miniseries and everything. Right. I remember that. But like that, it's so... They're so pleased to be on the inside in a way that that feels directly the reverse of this, where Hunter's like, God, I hate this. I hate that I'm here. Yeah, he hates he hates the other press a lot. And but it's so funny though, because at the very, very end, I'm gonna uh, quote it again because no one talks about Hunter better than himself. Um, <laughs> um, where he says, uh, there's a sort of weird, junky, addictive quality about covering a presidential campaign. You could see it in almost everybody in the press corps. And I'm gonna cut down to there's an excitement and a pace to the presidential campaign that definitely keeps you wired it's a grueling trip but that insane kind of zipping from place to place i cross over my own house in colorado three times it's frantic kind of chasing after the golden fleece and probably a lot more fun if you don't win or if you have no real stake in it yeah it's one of the best assignments i can think of yeah so it's so funny because like he he seems to have like actually not just a mental breakdown but a physical like he he gets really sick at one point yes and it's also sort of at what feels like the wildest point in 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 the primary yeah but as soon as he, that started happening i'm just, and then he explains like oh yeah and i was sick for 16 days in there like held up in a hotel room and they had to bring a physician to the hotel yeah uh it made me think like maybe this wasn't as insane as he thought it was as he made it out yeah because he was literally in fever dreams or something yeah well i think there is but i think he asks that of his reader right and i think there is something to like one of one of the deeper things about this you can look at it and you can talk about all of the politics and the way that it all played out and the fact that bafflingly so much of the country voted against their own best interests by reelecting Richard Nixon. Um, but there's also, he goes deeper into the idea of like, this is not, this is, this runs against human nature, how we do this whole thing. It like, it elevates this animalistic instinct in all of us. Like how the zoo plane, mm-hmm. the, the press plane on the McGovern campaign, um, descends into just like utter anarchy by the end yeah. of the campaign. But there are, there are long stre- stretches of him just covering the election where I, I found myself sort of losing interest because I guess in the way of of like watching a serial television show and knowing how how it comes out. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't think anybody will ever be as unedited in the way that like this book feels like if you handed it to a modern editor, they would be like, "Cool, this is rep- this is uh, repetitive. We can trim this out. We can cut this down." Like, yeah, I think he thinks once a month about like, "Oh Lord, how long is the campaign?" <laughs> <laughs> um, it it would be funny to sit down with Hunter S. Thompson now and point that out and be like, "And you wanted to do this again? Yeah, you said yes again." <laughs> yeah, and he kept. I mean, it's that thing where he talks about being a politics junkie. I really. More than anything, I miss his voice now. Yeah, I feel like politics is this sort of strange, sort of high drama. Um, but it's high drama of day-to-day people's lives. Yeah. So Yeah, the things that are being highly dramatized like have deep, lasting impacts for 
everybody. Yeah. Do you read um do you read other political nonfiction at all? I know we've talked a little bit about nonfiction on this show with essays, but more broadly cultural. No. Um I'm actually surprised at myself how interested I am in this current race. Huh. Because I really don't take a lot of interest in politics as it's happening. Um I you know, I I own American Wife by Curtis Sittenfeld. And I assume I will read more actually political novels. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't read a lot of political nonfiction. Um, I assume you do being a poli-sci person. I do. I I try to read a little bit every year, whether it's just one or two books. So it's often by pundits or recommended by pundits who I know and who I trust. So it certainly reinforces an ideological bend. Yeah. And I felt like I think the text can be sort of a key text and you can choose your own adventure through it and end up following. Cause he references some things like that's the thing to read on that, on the 68 election. Oh and, yeah. And, and it does make me think like, Oh, that you could follow that. And then that book would lead to another. And then you'd see it on a list with like seven other books. And you're like, Oh, I like those two. I mean, this is like, this could be the start of something. I think that the, um, that reminds me of the very beginning of Taibi's introduction where he says that I doubt any book means more to a single professional sect than this book does to American political journalists. And just as likely as you're uh, to find a dog-eared paperback copy of Evelyn Wilde's Scoop somewhere in the back of every foreign correspondence pocket, um, you can still spot the familiar red, it was red back then, cover of Fear and Loathing 72 poking out of the duffel bags of reporters sent to follow and he lists everybody who was running in 2012. I don't know. Did you like it? I um, I did. I enjoyed myself, and I found it to be a rewarding read. But I also, it just, I found it um, oppressive at times. This is what I was saying earlier in terms of it being tough to get through, is that just, you think about how dark he felt. And I do think that, that while some of it is exaggerated, I do think that he was... Um, capturing a zeitgeisty thing for the left at that time very true but i think and i would argue honestly on both sides of the aisle today that 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 sense of oppression of like god these are the people who we're stuck with like this is the future of our country yeah there i mean i feel like you could almost do like a especially when the primaries start um, you could almost just do a find and replace for the names and it would sound pretty right totally yeah. Man, anyway. oh man, oh man. Yeah. Well, Hunter. What a this, ride. Uh, Thank you. This, uh, what's this called? What's this drink called? This is uh, Raging at the Sun. Yeah. Well, here's to you, Hunter. So, uh, shall, we, shall we recommend something to take your mind off of politics? Sure. But I'm going to recommend something that's just weirdly is all-consuming me. Um it's a recommendation that you gave me, Drew, as well as oh, yeah. other people. Um, but The Spellman Files by hey. Lisa Lutz. Oh, my God. They're so fucking good. It's so much fun. And I'm actually listening to the audiobook, and they've got the perfect narrator for it. Cool. And, uh, I mean, it's it's a, a book about a family of private investigators. 
and uh, the the youngest daughter of the family gets uh, kidnapped. Yeah, and so they're they're trying to discover who did it, and it's just like, but like a lot of it is just meeting this family, and uh, and how it's all weighted out and everything, and I'm just like I'm just in love like i just want to listen to it all the time i have a question and you can decide whether or not to edit this out how do they handle the footnotes and she reads it she says footnote oh very cool yeah it's one of those it's like in the terry pratchett style of heavily it's hilariously footnoted i, I wouldn't say it's heavily though it's 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 pretty oh, rare. Yeah, i mean it's not like david foster wallace heavy yeah. it's really fun though um i highly recommend listening to it if you get the chance yeah there are six of them too yeah i've heard that for now anyway mm-hmm. um i don't know how it's not a television show nice what do you recommend um a graphic novel series by warren ellis who uh, among other things wrote the novel gun machine and he's uh, well regarded he's writing a james bond comic right now comic yeah Weird. um but he wrote a series many moons ago called Transmetropolitan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character, Spider Jerusalem, is <laughs> yeah, is a direct descendant of not literally, but like it, he is a Hunter S. Thompson for this sort of um, horrible like post Blade Runner sci fi future, mm-hmm. um, and he comes down out of the mountains where he's been like self-imposed exile because he hates everything and picks up his journalism beat again. And he's reporting, there's a huge election subplot with the presidential election and everything, but there's also, he's just reporting on the city and on people and sort of doing like, he's a more focused, but just as vitriolic Hunter S. Thompson. Huh. Um, and it's, so that's an interesting comic. Yeah, it, but no real life electionness. Like it's not using any real no, people's it's name set, or anything. It's thrown way in the future, so there's all sorts of like transhumanism going on, and New York City has sort of become like a megalopolis that stretches from like Boston to DC, sort of thing. Huh. Um, Sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild, and in the same way that you know it was written, I th- want to say the late '90s um, into the early aughts. In the same way that this was written you know, almost 50 years ago, but you see the same themes constantly recurring. I mean, it's not crazy to have the same themes constantly recurring because there's, there's the things that people care about. I was trying to come up with like a, and every four years, Jonathan Franzen publishes a novel kind of like you want to pull it together, but I couldn't, there's uh, nothing like there's that. Nothing there. Nah, that's okay. <sighs> well, next week, well, next yeah. time. Yeah. Next time. Next time on so many damn books. Um, but you know, before we go, please rate us, rate on, us, email uh, us, like us. Yeah. So many damn books at gmail.com. So many damn books on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We love to hear from you and we really, really, really like, uh, reviews. So it's the best way to help us out. God, he hates he, Richard Nixon. Oh, he truly hates Nixon. And I, but I think that was also a pretty prevailing. Sure. I, oh, but also, he, one of the one of the best scenes in this book is him sitting in the back of a car with Nixon, talking about football and being like, 
what is going to happen. It's like yeah. me and Nixon. Nixon knows I do not like him. Yeah. And they just talked about football for an hour. Well, she was-